This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi folks, I'm Kieran Maguire from the Price of Football podcast. You're listening to Every Step along the way and enjoy every second of it. So, three points in the bag. The Potters are back to winning ways. Oh, do you love that winning feeling, Michael Stockley? I certainly do, mate. It uh, feels like it's been too long, if I'm honest with you. But yeah, um, really good. I There was a moment in that second half I didn't think it was coming, but... Uh, yeah, I thought it was uh, an interesting game. We'll get into the nuts and bolts, but you're right, mate. It's uh, it, it's great to see three points. Um, you know, Sunderland were not an easy team to beat, but we got through. However, we got through, we got through it. Um, and then the day, that's all that matters. You know, it's a springboard now, hopefully, to hopefully another good performance against Leeds. Yeah, definitely. And nice to have another home game coming up. And it's a tough one, but it's nice that, like I say, another home game, another chance to build a bit of momentum there into in a few days. I mean, one of the ones you do people, just so you know, people, at full time, we we were sitting there, weren't we? we? We Everyone was leaving and we couldn't move out of our seats. We were taking it in. Breathing it in, getting it right, and the the, the joy of victory uh, until a couple came along and asked us if we could just shuffle along so they could go. <laughs> then we had to leave. But yes, we were we were in no rush really to leave that ground night today. No, you, you've got to take these wins. You never know when they're going to come again. So <laughs> you've got to you've got to take them, Dan. Uh, yeah, I mean it's just. So that stadium never empties quickly, does it? Let's be honest. It's always a, a a bit of a mess. So, yeah, sit there, savour the win. There was a lot of players who were, I think, on, on the feet by the end of that game. I think they'd done a lot of efforts, a lot of them obviously playing for the first time in ages. Um, so, yeah, we, we got moved on, but a really, a really good game, I think. I wouldn't say it was a game of two halves. I think there was there was definite changes uh, during, during the second half. I think we'd seen that... We kind of taken the game to them initially, you know, put a lot of a lot of effort in. We obviously scored early. Um, I wanted to get your opinion, and this is something that was on the on the Twitter page, Dan, uh, for our first goal. Firstly, Ryan, brilliant finish, regardless of what part of your anatomy it came off first time round. Like it was a really good finish for a player who's been out for seven weeks. His first attempt. Uh, really, and since coming back, and he slots it perfectly into the ball, uh, sorry, into, into the net. So, um, but what 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 was your thoughts on the potential handball? We were having a little bit of a discussion with someone on Twitter, Dan, whether it was counts as a handball or not. But my, uh, who knows these days are the rules. But my interpretation was if it leads to a goal, like you've seen in the Premier League, if it even touches your hand and it leads to a goal, then it gets disallowed. So maybe I'm missing something, but I don't care. We, we, we've had enough, enough crappy decisions in, in this season already. We deserve one. But was that handball for you of interest? More a case of, yeah, where like, not so much if it touches the hand and it leads to a goal itself. It's, is that class just touching the hand? And this is, this is the problem with the laws of football, isn't it? That they keep changing that often. That nobody really knows. Like, there isn't a, a body of of examples from previous as to this is right, this is wrong or whatever because it changes so often and it's like it's it's something to do with the sleeve isn't it? and the end of the sleeve or the, you know, a short sleeve top 
if it hits the sleeved part, then it's not handball. But if it hits like the, the flesh underneath, and then it is. It's like, but then obviously short, shorts are sleeves like are all different lengths, and even short sleeves are different lengths. Um, some players might roll them up. I suppose they, they, they're not being, but they're being told not to roll them up now if they are. <laughs> what a ridiculous situation to be in, though. Like that, what, why, why are you making the referees and the linesmen's jobs even harder with a, such a pathetic interpretation of the rules? But anyway, it, it, it's a passing comment. I don't want to focus on it. <laughs> we uh, we still scored the goal, and we made a who comment knows, down about who knows what's handball. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who, who knows? We'll, we'll we'll just we'll 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 take it. I don't care. Um, one thing we did say about about Ryan was he he looks. Feed on to you. I mean, when he first came, I, I seem to remember him being a bit of a a bit more lightweight. Um, but now he just seems to be able to to play that more. I wouldn't say target man, but he can hold his man off really, really well. You know, he's still got pace. He's still got the ability to get you know in behind the man. But he really seems to have bulked out a little bit for me, and not in a who's at all the pies way, and an actual you know bit of muscle behind him. Not in a prattly duck kind of way. <laughs> yeah. He was a beast, one. Jesus, it's like John Parkin Mark Two. <laughs> yeah. So what's happened to the poor lad? He used to be such a player as well. He's one of my favourite players to watch in the Championship. And now I looked at him, I thought, "Oh my word, what's happened to you?" Um, but yeah, um, yeah, I think he has, and he's he's. It's as if like he had that taste of that small, you know, three or four games before he got injured, of life in the Championship, and he thought. Okay, I can see what I need to do. I can see what I need to improve, and maybe that injury has been, maybe even like uh, for him in his getting ready to play in this league, maybe a little bit of a blessing, and that it's given him time to get himself in the gym more and and you know, like I say, beef himself up. Is is to use the words that you you said then. Yeah, I think that's exactly that. And you need that in this division. You know, matter players that get knocked off the ball. I thought the same about Nathan Lowe as well, Dan, uh, when he came on. It's, he's got the turning circle of a truck, but he's still... <laughs> he's still... Um, you know what? He he would be better off, I think, Lowe, uh, being a bit of a of a target man, I, I, I got a feeling of. He, he's definitely been in the gym. He is bulking. Um, so it'd be interesting to see what type of strike he, he turns into. But uh, yeah, I think that front three today, me, you know, Vidigal, May uh, and Larice, uh, was was actually pretty good. I mean, I think the obvious person for me, Dan, I don't know about you, when I looked at the team, um, other than Henry being in for, for junior, Haksabanovic being dropped, or dropped or rested, however you want to word it. I thought that was a bit of a surprise. I think most of us would have had Haksabanovic over Larice, but he was bloody brilliant, actually. I thought Larice at times he was pointing himself about. Uh, he's he's a really just a really good solid winger come inverted striker. He, he looks really impressive, didn't he? He's a really strange player to me. <laughs> you watch him and you think that he he, he sort of. He puts, he puts 110% of this massive you know, effort oozes out of him. And then he'll, he'll do something and he'll sort of you know, run himself down. He'll, he'll dribble the ball, but he'll sort of run himself into like a corner or something. Or he'll run himself where he, and you think, what's he doing? Or then he'll maybe try and do something and he'll cock it up and you think, God, this, you know, this guy, he's either having a stinker or he's just not got it. And then all of a sudden, like, he'll pop the ball, I'll bring the ball down and then he'll do this this skill that you're like, what the hell? It's like he's going from one extreme to the other is what I'm trying to say. There's like moments of sheer like jaw dropping, like how has he controlled that ball there or how has he brought that down? How has he made that little flick? And then there's other, like the couple of other end of the scale, you think like he's barely seen a football before. <laughs> It'd be interesting to see where where he is in the grand scheme of things. Whether he he manages to forge himself a, a first team uh, spot or whether you know Haxer's going to come in. I mean, it, I, th- I suppose. I mean, can Haxabanovich play off the left potentially? You know, I, I, again, it maybe maybe cutting inside. Maybe that's a place. I'm just thinking that you know we're in a scenario now where we're playing without Tyrese Campbell, somebody we've had to rely on quite a lot who's having a poor season. Um, he's not signed a new contract. He can sign a pre-contract in January. So, you know, maybe now is the time that 
we test that out, that theory out a little bit more because if Haksabanovic can play on the left, maybe Vidikal can play through the middle and Leo Lloris could play on the right. We, we've got a lot of different combinations up there. And I think that's why then front three works really well for me is that they could play really well. And that wasn't Vidigal's best best game, but I also think that was down to the actual service rather than him doing anything wrong at all because I don't think he did. But um, I think it was just great to see you, you can tell the quality that they've got for me, Dan. The difference that of that versus a Wesley, uh, for example, and I'm not trying to say Wesley's been bad, but it's a totally different dynamic up front for me when, when he's in the team, as I said to you last week. So, yeah, I just thought it was a really good um, attacking performance. Uh, how, how did you think Berger got on for you? I, I thought first half he was, he was too... Um, it's too tricky. I mean, yeah, he did all right, but the amount of balls he gives away by trying to play these little flicks inside and all that, it sometimes you just need to play it sensibly. Yeah, I, th- I think you summed it up perfectly, didn't you, when you said to me that he doesn't he doesn't play anything normal. He doesn't do anything normal. <laughs> it's like everything is like uh, done in an extravagant way, or um, like everything looks Hollywood with him. Done to everything, even like a side six six yard sideways pass, he'd probably like I, I I don't know like you know, probably roll his foot over it or something, roll it in. Um, he, I think a guy oozes class, and I think that you said there the maybe the, to get the absolute peak best out of him, maybe just that coaching as to when to keep it slightly more simple. But I think if you you know, if, if you can get him facing goal more and in around that box, I mean, he had a couple of shots first half, didn't he? There was a keeper had to tip on over the bar. And there was another one that was you know, quite an easier save, straight, sort of straight at him low. Um, but, you know, I think he's sort of finding his range in that. And he's also, for me, probably the only sort of midfielder we've got out of that sort of four or five centre-mids that looks to get shots away more from outside the box. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I think, obviously, Ben Pearson's never going to be that man. Um, Johnson is more of the, the playmaker uh, type, as you could see, trying to slot in Vidigal and, and Ryan May uh, a number of times. So you're right. I think Berger is the one man who's going to take shots on. I mean, what did you think about Josh Loren being dropped for Berger? Do you think that was a brave decision? Do you think he's done it because of... Josh's performances, or do you think he was just, you know, just trying something out and seeing if it worked? I I think he's maybe had a bit of a word with him personally and just said, "Look, let's give you a rest for a few weeks." You know, whatever's going on personally or in his head, or you know, with just either break or whatever it is, maybe he's just getting him out the spotlight a little bit. Do you think? Yeah, I think obviously at Leicester he dropped into defence, didn't he? And that gave. Um, the manager the opportunity to put the midfield of Berger, Johnson and um, Pearson into action. And I think it's probably just that he, uh, Loren had a decent game at centre-half, but maybe he was happy with the midfield at last. I know the, the performance wasn't amazing and the, the result obviously wasn't what we wanted, but did he see enough there to think, you know what, against Australian home games, against teams where we're going to have more of the ball and more opportunities to to be on the front foot and, and do things in a positive way, that this midfield actually is better than the one I've been using and the change that needed to be made in that obviously was Josh Loren moving out. He could, he's, he's, he's a bit similar to um, sort of had it with Lewis Baker last year, didn't we? He's taken one for the team and got to play centre half, and actually it's worked out negatively for him. Yeah, and I think it'll be interesting as well going forward whether that, I mean, I think Wednesday will say a lot um, because if, you know, if Burgers just played, you know, pretty much all match. Bar eight, bar uh, you know, five ten minutes, I think it was. Uh, but if he's played the majority of the match and he starts again over over Josh, it might kind of signal a little bit of of whereabouts he is in, in the in the, the rankings right now. And I don't I don't think against a team like Leeds, which we'll obviously get into in a bit, I think you need you need that little bit of the dynamic type of player in in that middle, the one who is going to take a, a shot from distance. Um, 
I don't think Josh is that is that man. He's not playing that type of a game at the minute. Uh, every time he makes a, a mistake, everyone's on his back. So I think dropping him for a while will will definitely be a good decision. Because I think as well that you know we we had a situation didn't we where we had all three midfielders on a booking, and you know they've they've both got their doubters, they've both got their critics, but the fact where we could bring on Jordan Thompson, Josh Loren for two of those midfielders. Is actually a real positive, and I think something that's potentially helped us win the game in that we could bring in, you know, experienced championship players at a key part of the game to go and see out some, with some fresh legs and that. Um, yeah, I think that was a, a real positive, and and I think that's the benefit of having these players back from injury now. It's bulking out the squad as well as the team. Thing is, that you say that, but then within two minutes of coming on. You know, Thompson goes and gets himself (laughs) boots. If that's using your experience, Dan, I'd hate to see people inexperienced. I mean, it it was a stupid... You said to me, you turned to me and said, he's just come on for somebody who's booked because he's booked. And then within a minute or two, he's doing that. It's These players have got a complete lack of intelligence at times. Like, you give them the ball back. I mean, we, we weren't in any danger in that scenario. He's got himself booked... And he's gained nothing. I mean, as a manager, he's got to be pulling his bloody hair out. But no wonder he hasn't got any. <laughs> well, no, and I, 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 you think so? You see Thompson coming on, and it's great. We can bring him on. I don't want Thompson anywhere near this team. Nowhere near. That's not bringing on, you know, a a decent player for somebody you know who's better leaving the pitch. Thompson's a bottom half of the, the championship player for me. Um, I just I think with the sooner we can replace him the better. Uh, I'd look well when Baker's back. You know what? I know Baker had a bad time uh, before his injury, but I don't want to see Thompson anywhere near this team. I would much rather a Baker come in there for me. Yeah, and I mean just like I say, touching back on that, I, mean, I said to you, Linda, we had three players, centre midfielders, all wanting to get involved. They'd all been booked, and I think two out of the three. With the other one being Pearson, who I don't think had done, they'd also made fouls since being booked. They were probably all roping, you know, getting that that sort of tight walk, walking that tight rope, should I say, sorry, and you know, in danger of being sent off. So the manager goes, right, okay, clever. What I need to do here, I need to get two of these off because nobody in the midfield can put a tackle in now. Nobody's able. They're all, you know, walking on eggshells not willing to, to stick a foot in, and, and probably, you know, fairly so, especially with the manager dishing out cards like it's really Christmas. And and so, obviously, it brings on two sets of fresh legs, like you say, and Jordan Thompson, within two minutes, is holding the ball, pushing and shoving people. It's like he was intent on getting booked. What was up with him? Well, why did you, why do that? What you got, Like you just said there, you gain nothing, and what you do is you lose the opportunity then to to put a foot in because again he's now in the exact same situation as the bloke who's just gone off for him. We may as well left Woody Burger on or Johnson or whichever one he came on for. It's 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 just stupid, which is why I think that the lack of intelligence from players is staggering sometimes. It's like when a, a you know the, the an attacker's in a corner and you've got a defender behind him and he's, he's just he's trying to hold off the play and the player goes through the back of him. It's like, oh, for God's sake, come on. It's like you, like you of all, you know, you're a professional footballer, you should know better. And, and Thompson's one of them for me. But yeah, Baker's back in training now, Dan. I hope that he does come back and can have a decent end to the season. I know we're only really still in the early stages, but still, you know, it's still going to be a while until he's fully fit. So I just hope for him from that, you know, more winter festive period when he's probably going to be able to play. I just hope he can come back and, and be a bit of a rock from, from the bench. I don't think he's, I don't think he's going to push anybody out. I would be very, very surprised. I think we'd have to have some bad performances to, for Baker to be starting, if I'm honest, unless of course he, plays a blinder in training um but anyway uh people kind of anyone else to kind of shout out i mean the i was looking at the, the team earlier just to remind myself uh of of play i mean stevens i thought he had a really good game coming back i don't think he put a foot wrong um he had a lot of you know tricky wingers running at him uh so i thought he he, he helped well, he, he coped really well uh with that for me do, do you remember him pointing a foot wrong because nothing really comes to mind for me 
Do you know what? I had I had this conversation actually walking up after the game, and we were discussing like better players, and I sort of chucked in like you know Ryan May. I thought I had a good game. Uh, ben Pearson thought I had a good game. But then they all did things at one point where they all you know, backed off with. And then I said, Mark Travers, another one, thought we had a good game. But then there was a point where he came for a cross, then he completely missed it. And, you know, we were lucky to get away with this. And then I went to Ender Stevens and I was like, do you know what? I can't think of a single thing that he, a single thing that he did wrong. If, apart from giving me a heart attack when in the 90s, Fourth minute, he's going on an overlapping marauding run down the left hand side. <laughs> I, was, I was like, Where are you going? What are you doing? Do you want up? <laughs> Get back. <laughs> um, but other than that, no, I didn't think I'd say he didn't put a foot wrong considering he'd been out for a while. It was a uh, you know, fantastic return to the side. Whereas for me, I think the one weakness, and it's something we already knew, um, I think Henry was not great, if I'm honest. I don't think he's had a good season at all so far. I think he started that first couple of games, he started off really good, but I just we know that defensively Henry's not there really. His attacking play when he goes forward and he you know he gets that space. That some of the pat you know, some of the crosses he put in today were good. Um so you know you can't really fault them for that. But the their equalizing goal, um I almost did a little video on it for for Twitter, but I thought let's concentrate on the positive. Uh, if you watch their equalizing goal, he sees Clark open and he, he's jogging back. And you know, we called Josh Loren out for this a few weeks ago when we were against Bristol, when he could easily have cost us uh, you know, a, a goal and, and certainly could have cost us uh, the win. And, you know, Henry does the same thing. You know, he's going back and he's, he's trot, trotting back and very slowly and he sees the fact that it, it's in a dangerous position, Jack Clark, and he just slows down even more. And I'm almost like, what are you afraid of? Is he afraid of getting a tackle in there in case he gets injured? He can't be... He can't be tired at this point. It's still early in the first half. So I was a little bit like, I don't quite get what's going on there. What why is he is he not tracking back uh to the, you know with full gusto and pace? And you know, Travers gives him a right mouthful afterwards if you watch back the highlights, and rightly so. He should have been covering Jack Clark, who had a blinder, by the way. He did. He was a fantastic player and to um well, leaps and bounds since he was with us. <laughs> um, oh yeah, different player. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, I, I said I remember pointing out to you at the time. I said, look, I said, Hoover's not having any of this. The, I said the, the the goal went in, and Travers was giving it, and he stood, didn't he? Stood his ground with Travers, and he was like, no, 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 I'm not in the wrong. I know I've done nothing wrong, and I'm thinking, if you honestly believe that you are not, you you've not really got a fault here when your man is 15 yards away from you and tapping it into an open goal, then we have a problem. <laughs> because if you all stand yeah. up and say, yeah, yeah, I can't, I've let him run off me, I've switched off, that's my, my bad. I've got, yeah, sorry, my apologies. I know that at least you can say, well, you can work on that then, can't you? Because you you, you know you've pulled up, you know that you need to improve on it. But if you're turning around and saying, no, that's not my fault. It's not my fault he was there. <laughs> That's not got nothing to do with me. Then it, that doesn't scream to me like he's going to learn and and not do it again. No, and I think what you'll see is I think the highlights. I'm not. I'm, I went onto the Sunderland side because Stoke were. I don't even know if I was still up yet, but Sunderland have put the highlights out, and it's around it's around about 27 seconds in, and you'll see what I mean if you just watch it back. I mean, I'm looking at it again now, Dan, and it's just. It's just poor. It's just so poor. And and no, I don't want to harp on about something really, really negative when we've won, but gotta call what you see sometimes. And I just think I don't know, is is he scared of a bit of contact because of his injury? I'm I'm really not sure. But um I thought Junior was very, very unlucky to get dropped. Very unlucky. And when we're thinking about, you know, defensive play and Clark was obviously going to be causing us problems. I actually would have preferred Junior to be in there than than Henry. And he's another player for me where if he doesn't have some more good performances, he could well be dropped again for Junior. And I think the way that Junior was when he came in, if he does get in and cements that place, Henry's going to struggle to get back in. He's really going to struggle. So, uh, you know, the, there wasn't really many many negatives. Let, let's be honest. I know we've t- talked to, about a couple of negatives there, but for, for me... 
Henry's moment there was was poor. The you know the the Thompson moment was poor. The rest of the team were I think really solid. Yes, Rose gave the ball away for their for their uh, their kind of counter at us uh, that caused that goal. But I think by and large everyone probably came away with at least a seven out of ten. I'd say for the vast majority of them. Yeah, and I think just just touching on there what you're saying about um, Jack Clark and and Henry and, and sort of you know the the matchup there. I'm just wondering whether Jack Clark is he's a very good player. He likes to he likes to drop very deep, doesn't he? You notice he receives the ball quite deep, and he likes to then just sort of turn and run at players. Um, you know, he'll sort of move the ball, cut left foot, right foot. Sort of try and sort of bamboozle his way past the fullback, and then you know confuse him to the point where he can just go past. And I wondered whether with um, Henry being just that little bit more physical, um, you know, a bit taller than Junior, and he a bit more of a specimen that maybe the manager, and obviously a little bit more experienced as well, that the manager was thinking that he that's why he got that sort of the nod in that position. Uh, but more to the point, I think that's why Haksabanovic wasn't played and that Larice was because Larice is much more comfortable. Um Hacks, you know, he runs around a lot, he, he puts the effort in, don't get me wrong, more than I you know I thought he was going to, I'll be honest. But I think Larice is more comfortable when you in those defensive areas. And obviously if Hoover went forward then Larice could drop in and it wouldn't be such an issue. Um like I say this could sort of double up on Clark when needed. I thought he did. If, if there was that tackle towards the end, and I think that he he sort of there'd been times when Clark had you know, gone past him. There'd gone times where he sort of breezed past him. There'd been times where Henry had stood stood firm with him. Um, and I don't think he'll get many more uncomfortable afternoons than the one he's had today. As in, I don't think there are many more players that will unsettle him and, and be as dangerous as Jack Clark is in his current form. But I think Henry really, on the whole, considering he was up against, I thought he stood up quite well, to be honest. And I think that tackle towards the end, when he ended up getting a um, sort of goal kick for it as well, was sort of the the icing on the cake, if you like. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And Dan, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying he had a bad game at all. I just, I just there, was a, there was a moment of... of laziness or whatever you want to call it lack of concentration I don't know what you call it but yeah no no like I say I think vast majority was seven out of tens um who was your personal man of the match from that yeah see I, I couldn't I thought a drift from one player to another I don't think no I don't think I think you called it perfectly there said they're all sevens out of ten at least I don't think there was anyone who was stood head and shoulders above the rest was there wasn't anyone who ran the game um I, at the time, at the ground, I think I said Ryan Mai. Um, I thought he had a, a great game for me. On reflection now, a few hours later, I think purely because I, I, I literally don't think he put a foot wrong. can't think of anything he did wrong. I'm going to have to go with Andy Stevens. Okay. He also had the bloody captain's armband on. I still had a good game. Sure, that's got to be worth something. <laughs> we'll get that off him as quick as you can. We've got no cover there for him to start being crap. Thank you very much. Uh, although Lyndon Gooch, I suppose, is technically back right now. But um, yeah, I think I was I was back and forward between Stevens and McNally. Actually, I thought McNally had a really good game, uh, topped off by his goal, obviously. But I thought that you know he was again he was solid, put some really you know good tackles in at times. He's He's only a young lad, but he's, you know he's he's really he's really starting to step up a little bit now for me. I think when he when I was first watching him, he was having some really ropey moments. Um, I'm still a bit uneasy with Rose. I'm hoping that Clark can get himself fit because I think I'd much rather an experienced again left sided centre back in that position. And I think Rose could really um, could probably benefit from being on the other side. If I'm honest with you, actually. But at the same time, like I don't think he's good enough personally. I know it was a, probably a cheap deal to do, um, but as soon as the Clark's fit to marshal that defence, and McNally could probably learn a hell of a lot off him as well, I think the better. 
but yeah, no, really, really good um, performance. I'll throw some match stats at you as well. So possession-wise, we had 47% possession to their 53. I thought that was probably about right. Uh, we had 11 shots to their 18. We had four shots on target to their seven, six corners to their two, and we had 17 fouls to their nine. Um, we actually had a lot of... Uh, a lot of yellow cards. So Stevens, Pearson, Berger, Thompson, and Johnson all got bookings. Um, Pearson was the one we've always said. He, did you say like it's eight out of eleven games or something stupid like that for Pearson? Yeah, it's just something ridiculous. Um, I'll just have a quick chat while we're chatting and get you the exact number. So where was it? Bang He's probably got more bookings and appearances by the by the end of this season. So, yeah, he's uh, 11 games, seven yellow cards. There you go. Yeah. I mean, I know it's, it's his position. He's going to do league. that. That's and... in the league. He also got one in the League Cup as well. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. Uh, but, yeah, it was it was always going to happen. Um, is there anything else that you want to call out from uh, this particular game? Uh, no, I think, um, yeah, it's like say, great, great to get the three points since it's... Um, couple of well-taken goals. The, the, the beauty as well of the McNally goal, just mentioned, is the irony of, um, obviously, as Johnson puts the ball over <laughs> and the fans did the ironic cheers because he beat the first man for like the first, I think it was like about a sixth corner, but the first time <laughs> we got it past it. And the, the, the quickly cheered to actual celebrations when he was met with the, with the McNally's just sort of you know, guiding it into the bottom corner, um, which was quite funny. Yeah, and actually, I put a video on our Twitter feed, which you might not have seen yet, Dan, but yeah, I, I broke down that goal because I thought it was actually a really good, um, well-worked, team effort uh, but when I say team effort I mean they've clearly worked it on the training pitch so if anyone hasn't seen that go and check out the Twitter feed and you'll, you'll see it on there but uh, Rose and McNally uh, uh, they create that goal between them like the the interplay and the fact that you can just tell it's been worked on uh, without Rose making the moves that Rose makes we don't score so as much as we can criticise him and I think he very much deserved criticism at parts of this season um, fair play uh, to to sort that out. So, um, but yeah, we scored from a set piece stand, which is which is great. Not the first time Rose has wandered wandered off to corner to create space for someone to score, is it? <laughs> no, but normally the other end of the pitch. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. So, uh, shall we talk about the extra little bit of news, Dan, that we've uh, that we might yes, have? I think so now, you, uh, good listeners of ours, may have heard that we interviewed John Rudge. Um, a couple of few weeks ago, and obviously he has a new book out that has been co-written um, with obviously Simon Lowe, who's done numerous other you know, quality um, stoke books. And the feedback we've had on the John Rhodes pod has been absolutely amazing. I'll be honest, everyone who's listened to it, or uh, obviously not everyone who's listened to it's got back to us. That would be pretty impressive. <laughs> but, but all the feedback we've had from everyone who's, who's listened and then got back in touch with us has been really good. Like, every, every, the, the uh, they've loved the stories. They've loved the way John's told them. People have, you know, numerous people have said they're going to go out and get the book now on the back of that. But that isn't the end of the story, is it, Mike? No, no. So I think a lot of people ask for a part two. Um, there'll definitely be a part two, but there's going to be an extra guest. And I know that a lot of people will uh, be fully aware of uh, of this person. So um, when Rudgie met Nello will probably be the title of that one. So, yes, John Rudge and Nello will be breaking down the Potteries Derby rivalry uh, and talking about a kidnapping of George Andrews, among other stories um, as well. So we're going to have that coming. So st- two Stoke-on-Trent legends uh, on one podcast, uh, which will be pretty brilliant. So it's not going to be in the next week or so. We're going to be sorting that out. So I just wanted to let everyone know that that is coming um, and I hope everyone will will enjoy it. As always, if there are any questions that you want to put to John or Nalo, then you need to get in touch with us. We'll put something on the, on the website. But, you know, you can contact us on twitter on the facebook group uh what however you want but like just get them in as soon as you can because uh as well me and dan when we did the first part we could have spent 
several hours talking about Stoke um, to John. Uh, there was so much that we just didn't have time to do. So we will be asking a lot of those questions we didn't have a chance to do. And obviously we'll speak to Nello and get uh, no doubt a, a range of stories. But yeah, make sure you obviously uh, tune to that when it's there. And additionally, uh, a lot of people have also asked about where they can get the book and stuff like that. Uh, so to cap it all, you can get it on Amazon. But also if you want it in the Stoke City shop, then you need to message the club. You need to email them, call them. But if you got to fax, fax them, like whatever. You need to let the club know that you know you want to see it in there. I, it's a shame that we have to go to these lengths to get that done. Uh, to, you know the fact we've got to constantly ask them. I think it should be a prerequisite that we have it anyway. But you know, Luke, fan power we know works, and you know we're we're told for all intents and purposes if you guys ask the club for it, then they'll be forced to get it in the, in there. So. Um, Please do so anyway. But yeah, we thought we'd let you know some good news coming down the line. We like to bring you as much as we possibly can. And uh, hopefully we've we've delivered again with that. So um, that's all we've got to say about that, Mr. Daniel. Yes, very interesting times ahead. Uh, I really can't wait to do that part two. Um, I think it's going to be one of them as well that even we will you know, we'll, we'll sit back and we'll listen, listen back to it. Um, and probably being stitches at something that we were there and recorded anyway, because I was sitting with the parts in the first one. Um, yeah, I, I can't wait for that. What else I can't wait for is Leeds United on Wednesday. So, shall we have a chat about that? Life is full of awesome what ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Picture the scene all of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order mug delivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, this is Lou Roberts. This is Tyrese Campbell. And you're listening to the Every Step Along The Way podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to your Every Step Along The Way podcast. Uh, and we're going to preview the Leeds United game now. Now... Uh, we've just had a little break there for your adverts and we've actually we just had a little break in recording this podcast. And during that little break there, uh, Mike's had some bad news. So unfortunately, he won't be joining us for the second half of the pod. I will be sort of flying it solo. However, we have got uh, Graham McGarry's prediction. Uh, Mike is going to just give us his thoughts briefly on a little bit of audio piece as well. So I'm going to throw some stats at you now, referee stuff, and then I'm going to give you my team as well. So there have been 95 meetings between these two clubs, 30 Stoke wins, 18 draws and 47 Leeds wins. At home, Stoke's record is 47 games, 23 wins, 7 draws and 17 defeats. So pretty, um, you yeah, know, Leeds have had a pretty good record in Stoke. Um, you know, nearly, you know, not, not far off as many wins as we've had. <laughs> Uh, in recent times, though, Stoke have won only two of their last nine home games versus Leeds, uh, with one draw and six defeats. Um, and this is, but this is only the third time we've played Leeds at home in the last seventeen years. Uh, won one and lost one, both in twenty nineteen. Now, Alex Neal against Daniel Farker, who's had the advantage in that. So six matches they've played against where they've been head-to-head as managers. One Neal win, three draws and two wins for Farker. Those were all whilst Neal was at Preston and Daniel Farker was at Norwich. Um, the, well, Alex Neal, however, is unbeaten in two home league games against Farker, uh, having won one and drew one. So Farker versus Stoke, he's re- he's managed against us on four occasions. He's won twice, drew one, and lost once. Uh, his two games at the Bet three six five were a two two draw and a three two win whilst in charge of Norwich. Uh, Alex Neal versus Leeds, he's managed against Leeds on ten occasions, won three, drew three, lost four. However, he has only scored two goals in the last four matches versus Leeds. Uh, Stokes home form so that the win against Sunderland makes it look a little bit better so in the league we are 14th in the league table for home form 
Having picked up nine points, that's three wins and three draws. Uh, we've actually scored eight and conceded eight as well. So very uh, parallel, sort of you know, mirrored home, uh, mirrored at both ends of the field, should I say? Uh, Leeds is away form. They are fifth in the away table with ten points. Uh, so they're six matches away from home. They've won three, drew one, and lost two, scoring eleven and conceding nine. Uh, recent form: last five matches, Stoke sits sixteenth with six points, whilst Leeds are fifth with twelve. Uh, so they're in decent form. Now, other little statty bits. So Andre Vidigal will be hoping to get his goal scoring boots back on. Uh, Sunderland ended a run where he had scored in all of his first four home appearances. So he had his five goals for Stoke all at home, and the, yeah, each of his first four home games he'd scored in. And actually, yeah, after ending that run against Sunderland, he'll be hoping to get back on the goal scoring trail in front of his home fans. Joel Perot is the White's top scorer with five goals after his move from Swansea in August. Uh, he has got two goals versus Stoke from his time in the Swans, including his debut goal in English football and the opener at the Bet365 Stadium last season, uh, a match where Tyrese Campbell had to come off the bench to score an injury time to make it 1-1. Uh, while Sunderland have got the youngest age squad in the league, at tw- an average of 23.3 years uh, per player, depending on like how many minutes have been played by each player this season, Leeds have the second youngest at 24.3. So uh, having Stoke having done a job on the youngest, we'll be open to uh, repeat that, won't they, on the second youngest? <laughs> Uh, Leeds have used the most players this season, 28, uh, more than any other club in the league, while Stoke have used 27, which puts them second in that table. So, yeah, the meeting of the two sides who have used the most players in the Championship this season. Uh, whilst nobody has more yellow cards than Stoke's 35, only Middlesbrough have had less than Leeds's 21. Although, while Stoke have yet to have a man signed off, Leeds have already had a red card this season. So there's that. Uh, Stoke have attempted the third most long balls, 1,095. Only QPR and Watford have attempted more, whilst Leeds have attempted the least in the league at just 738. Uh, Stoke's last five league wins have all been followed. The next league game is played by a defeat. So they'll be hoping to um, stop that making that 6-6. Six and six. On to the referee. Now, the referee is Paul Tierney. So you probably know him. He's refed, you know, been refing the Premier League for a number of years now. Uh, this season, he's refed six matches, 26 yellow cards, three reds and one penalty. So there were three reds out in just six games. <laughs> uh, there's been four draws and two away wins. So not a single home win yet for him this season. Um he sent he sent off home players in his last two matches, including this weekend just gone when he sent off a Bournemouth player in their match at home to Wolves. Uh, he's refereed Stoke on four occasions, giving us eight yellows and no reds, um, no penalties against, and one penalty for. We've had one win, one draw, and two defeats. Uh, he last ref Stoke on New Year's Day 2019, which was a 2 0 home defeat to Bristol City. Which, if you go, if you put that into YouTube, you'll find some lovely clips of the crowd telling Gary Rowett, "Your football is not very pretty on the eye." Or something to that effect. Um, so yeah, that's that match <laughs> that he was the. That's the last time he ref Stoke. Uh, although a few weeks earlier he had refed us in a one 0 home win against Swansea. Uh, now he's ref leads quite a few more times. So eighteen occasions he's ref leads, giving them thirty eight yellows, one red, three penalties against them, one penalty for them. They've had seven wins, two draws, and nine defeats with them in charge. Uh, the last time, well, last season, he refed them on four occasions, losses to Crystal Palace and Manchester United, and draws against Brighton and Leicester. This is his first Championship game since 2022, and only the second time he's been in this league since April 2021. Uh, one final thing was he was the ref when Jack Harrison scored a last kick of the game winner at Brentford to keep Leeds up from Premier League relegation in May 2022. Right, so uh, one more thing we will do is on this day. So on this day, Wednesday, the 25th of October, we could take you back to 1995 when Kevin Keegan 
brought his star-studded um, bunch of, uh, sort of attacking mavericks, if you like, to, to the uh, Victoria ground. Coca-Cola cut round three. Um, and to beat a Stoke side who lost Ian Clarkson because David Ginola decided to roll round uh, on more than one occasion. The referee thought, yeah, I'll just keep dishing out yellow cards to that. Um, yeah, so inverted commas in this book, he was uh, pieces of theatrics from David Ginola that got Ian Clarkson two yellows early doors. And uh, yeah, that led to Newcastle winning the game by four goals to nil. So yeah, referee Ashby didn't um, didn't do himself to the Stoke fans that night. Let me tell you. Uh, right, so what I'm going to do now? I'm going to let three in. We've got the audio from Graham McGarry. He's going to give his prediction, and also Michael Stockley is going to just let you know what he thinks. Hello there, once again, you Potter's predictors. You must be feeling a lot better now after that excellent 2-1 win at the weekend over high-flying Sunderland. They're surely going to give the players more confidence and hopefully it's the turning point of the season. But there's another tough game coming up against another of the big guns in the Championship who, of course, themselves enjoyed victory last weekend. And that, of course, is Leeds United. The atmosphere was good last weekend against Sunderland. It's going to be even hotter with the Leeds contingent coming for a mid week game on Wednesday to the Bet365 Stadium. Stoke, well, they've got to take confidence and they've got to build on what they've actually done at the weekend. One result isn't enough, but I think they can build on it and I think they can get the win. Going to be tight, Leeds are a hard team to break down. Stoke 1, Leeds nil. So I think the Leeds game is going to be an extremely difficult one. Uh, they're going to bring, no doubt, a lot of numbers with them. Uh, and, you know, you look at their team, they've got a, a lot of good quality players. They've got kind of quality all over the pitch, really. And I think if you looked at the game versus Norwich, you know, they were, I think, obviously a couple of goals down, if I'm not mistaken, and they still managed to come back and, and fight a win and, and obviously go 3-2. I mean, yeah, one goal was obviously an own goal, but that's irrelevant. You know, they've still managed to put themselves in those situations and they've they've come back from the dead really so you know it shows resilience it shows their ability to score when I looked at the actual stats the other day and you know looked at where where they are you know they've played 12-1-6 they've only lost two games all season so you know they're, they're doing really well a little bit like Sunderland you know they were they're kind of a team who who know how to score goals only I think there's only one less I think than Sunderland um and, you know, they, they don't concede many either. So I think it's going to be one of them. It's going to be a very, very tight game. I know they've won the last three games now. But at the same time, Luke, you know, we've we've just beaten Sunderland. And I think we played really well overall uh, for a few dodgy moments, as we've already discussed. But I think, you know, at the same time, we, we, we've, we're we in a good situation where if we can kind of figure out uh, another three points, it changes the whole kind of complex of... Of potentially the season, you know, we've we've had a really difficult first half or first part of the season. A couple of international breaks. This one obviously came in in the right time, uh, but I think importantly, you know, Luke, we've we've got a good chance here to go and use that home form, use a little bit of obviously momentum. Uh, we've obviously got players who have been coming back from injury, so as long as we've had no kind of additional injuries, then I think we're going to be in a strong place. Um, I don't really want to see much of a, a change to the team, if I'm honest with you. Um, I would, however, like to see Junior uh, come in for Henry. I just think that Junior was very harshly dropped for that particular game. I think this will be a game where potentially we might be on the back foot quite a lot. So, you know, I don't think we can just rely on the attacking side of, of Henry's kind of play which is obviously where he's he's really strong we're going to need to be you know solid at the back so whether that means we have to have a little bit less possession and and try and hit them on the break then then so be it but I would really much prefer junior um, playing at that kind of right right back kind of space I think that'd be where I'd like to see him uh, the, the central defense I'd say keep it the same the only caveat to that um, is if Clark is fit enough to play the vast majority of the game, I would drop Rose uh, for, for Kieran Clark. Um, and I think other than that, we're not going to change anything else. I think it, it worked out quite well other than that one. Um, I suppose you could say Johnson had a uh, not a great game uh, overall, which, you know, is he's, he's allowed a bad game or two. That my problem is we haven't really got anyone who can come in and replace him. You know, people moan about Josh Loren, which is probably the only realistic kind of player you're swapping for. Or well, obviously you'd you know you'd probably move Berger a bit further forward. 
uh, and Josh would sit in that Berger position um, pretty much and obviously allow Berger to play the Johnson role. But again, I don't think that's really probably an option at the minute for how badly Josh has been playing. So I think that will be the only change. Junior, uh, obviously, for Henry. Um, and I'd say Haktabanovic will be coming off the bench to hopefully make an impact. As much as I like the player, uh, Larice again, would be very harshly dropped. So uh, for me, yeah, I think it's going to be a tight game. I'm anticipating a close... One goal either way, um, but I don't think it's going to be a 1-0. So I'm going to go for another 2-1 Stoke win. That's my prediction, and I uh, look forward to speaking to you all next week. Oh, thanks for that, Graham, and thank you to Mike for that audio there. Now we're going to head for some more audio now, so we're going to head over to the Leeds United camp and hear their thoughts ahead of the game. Hi there, yeah, um... We'll talk about Leeds United. Um, we have been playing a lot more better. I think there's more harmony in the playing in the morale, and also we're playing a lot better in the playing squad. We took a bit of time to, you know, to get to under Danny Fark, especially with the, the players that we didn't know who was going to be going or coming. But uh, a lot more happier. The morale's been good. I think after the good win we had. On Saturday against Norwich, it was huge to come back from 2-0 down. There's a lot more belief in that squad. I think how we've been playing, it's been tremendous. And yeah, I think we can be proud of how, how we, we've bounced back from a difficult period of start we had in the first four or five games um, to having all the team that we have with us. So I am very happy with that. Um, I think every tactical good share. I think we're a lot more better defence now. I think we have we become even more counter attacking. We've been good, especially with our front our front four with Ruta, Perro and with Jada Anthony as well, and also Somerville and Dan James. So there is a bit of a a good balance up front. So we've been happy with that. And the players that makes tick. <laughs> It's a hard one. I would say, I think all of them make tick, but I think it's more definitely Joe Pereira who makes a tick, and even Ethan and Pereira too, you know, uh, even Glenn Kamara has also been a few players that tick quite well. Um, we've been very amazed at what we've been doing, the players we've brought in. Um, prediction, I will say a 3-1 win for Leeds. I think that we will go away, we'll get the three points and continue to run the form and catch on to Ipswich towards the towards the end of the year. Oh, thank you for that, Carl. Uh, right, so I've... I'm a bit weird now because we've got five players coming back from injury against Sunderland and I, that was nervous towards the end of the game I was nervous three of the back four aren't we um, you know Henry Stevens Rose all coming back and I just wonder whether are we tempting fate by sticking them all out there yet again for another game so just a few days later should we maybe look into rotate where we've got options on the bench people who can come on so that's my theory uh, my feeling and with that in mind three of the well I'm going to make three changes basically um, I've got Mark Travers in goal Junior's going to come in for Henry basically because I think like I say Junior I'm not sure he's that far off Henry to be honest uh, Henry had a good game I, I, I thought he played a good game against Sunderland but again we've got a three game week We've just picked, he's just come back from injury. Not going to risk it because I don't think Junior is a much of a drop, if any, in level. So he gets the nod there. Uh, McNally and Rose to continue at centre half. I'm going to put Gucci at left back. Stevens was fantastic, possibly a man of the match, but he is prone to injuries. We've injured at Sheffield United once last season a couple of times. Uh, well, last couple of years, really, we've just got him back from what's been a pretty long term injury. You know, he's been out for a couple of months. And I don't want um, a recurrence of that injury because he's been overplayed. I'd rather him sit this one out. Gucci is more than capable of coming in and doing a good job at left back. Uh, we saw his energy in that in that sort of cameo at the end there. And obviously, Stevens was going on the overlap. Pure happy that Gucci could drop in. So for me, 
Gooch to come in a left back, rest Stevens' legs uh, for the next for the weekend. Like I say not to hopefully you know, keep him fit because the last thing we need is him back on the shelf again. Uh, midfield, Ben Pearson, he's going to be key in this game. He's going to have to hopefully avoid an early yellow card because we're going to need him to be winning lots of tackles in the midfield and putting himself about. Uh, Valterberg, he keeps his place. Uh, and Josh Loren is going to come in for me. I think that makes it a little bit more sturdy. Uh, Daniel Johnson, I think he he's had a lot of miles in them legs um, over the past couple of weeks. He's played games, a couple of games for Jamaica. He's had a lot of travelling. Uh, I think he looked a little bit leggy on Saturday. I don't think he was at his best. And I think he maybe um, suffered like I say, due to all the travelling and everything else as well as playing. It can catch up with it. He's got one game, he's got another one. There's a game again at the weekend. For me, I'll just bring Josh Loren in because I think we're going to need a lot. We may have a lot of chasing in this game. We may need to be a lot of um, press pressure on the ball. And for me, Berger and Loren can just do that. Um, a full strength can do that because, like I say, I just think if Daniel Johnson's just missing a step again, um, due to obviously, like I say, the last couple of weeks, then it's not going to work in that midfield. I think Leeds will take advantage of that. The front three for me keeps the same: Luis Vidigal and Mai. Um, on the bench, I think it's just a straight swap for everybody. I've got Bonham, Thompson, Henry, Haksabanovic, Wesley, Bay, Lowe, Johnson, and Stevens. Um, I think it's going to be a slightly different game, Pantley. I think I just mentioned it sort of there. I think they, we're going to have less of the ball. I imagine as as an away side, we are going to have to play like the away side. I think. I think we'll let them have it a bit more. We'll stay tight, stay compact, and I think then we'll use the pace of Larice and Vidigal and my. Um, Obviously, the interactions, they all sort of work well together. My now, I think he's played four home games, four wins. So he, you know, let's. Let's use his, um, you know, his, his better. So yeah, he brings the ball in well. He turn, he plays on the half turn. He gets it. He, he brings others into play, and he also knows where the back of the net is himself. He's a very different team when we've got Ryan May up front, and we need to, you know, make sure that him, Luis Vidigal, are, are all you know bursting. They're, they're going to do the bit defensively, but when we get the ball, that those three just go, and, and you know, and do their, their business in the in the final third as well. It's going to be another great atmosphere. I'm sure there'll be a big crowd there, even though it's on TV. Um, there's going to be no doubt it'll be a sold out away end. I know there's been ticket restrictions placed on sort of people you have to have had previous tickets brought. I'm sure that's because Stoke don't want Leeds fans in the home end. Um, so yeah, I think all in all, with everything said, I'm just going to go for a one-one draw. I think Stoke's goal will be scored by um, I'm going to say Vidigal just because well. I can. <laughs> it's easy. Uh, yes, Gaffer. So I am 67th, uh, 67 points. Sorry, you got this week. I'm 67th. So I'm 35th in the, in the league. Doing myself an injustice there. Uh, with 620 points overall. At Stoke Gaffer is top on 933. At Thurgood Joe has 905. And in third place is at Jamie Gaffer, who has scored 902 points. So, Super 6, Michael Gadget is top on 123 points. He's made it to the top of the table. Nicholas Yates has dropped from first to second. He has 121. And third place, we've got joint third of Darren Goodall and Kevin Williams, both on 114 points. Uh, I picked up 10 points this week. Uh, I was a bit annoyed that uh, Man City didn't get a third. I was annoyed. <laughs> um, and also that Man United didn't get a third. But then Villa, when they got the third, went and got a fourth. Because I was one goal off in all three of them games uh, in various ways. So, yeah, that, I got 10 points there. I've dropped down a few places. Uh, dropped down to 13th from 10th. So, yeah, not certain. But I'm, I'm still having a good season. I'm happy with that. Yeah, 108 points. It's sort of very tight around that area. Uh, Michael, on the other hand, though, had a fantastic week. He rose 21 places to 68th. After getting, he's now on 89 points after picking up 16 points. Um, so, yeah, fantastic. I mean, the max reading gets <laughs> 30, isn't it? Uh, he got Manchester City bang on 2-1. 
and he also got to Man United bang on 2-1 so well done Mike um, yeah you, you're you're hunting me down now it must be that thing of being a mascot he, he, if he gets above me I'm sure he'll, he'll want to do it then but yeah, he just doesn't want to doesn't want to uh, finish behind me, does he? In case he, in case I convince him to, um, yeah, walk out holding uh, Bayonne Ho's hand or something on the final home game of the season. That is it for this podcast. Obviously, as I say, the second half has been very different to normal. I'm sorry if I've sort of blabbered along a bit um, on this little monologue that I've gone on. But yes, enjoy the game on Wednesday. Uh, I'm sure Michael will be back uh, with me then and we also should have hopefully a special guest as well. Um, Yes, get yourselves requesting the John Rudge book in the club shop, as we mentioned earlier. And uh, yeah, keep your eyes peeled for that special. That's going to be a fantastic uh, part two with him and Nello. And yeah, enjoy the game on Wednesday. Up the Potters, go on Stoke. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.